Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. You feeling a little jitters? Mm-hmm. We're at, uh, what is it, 206? I think we're at 206, 205, 206. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm almost thinking, like, we should just stop counting. That's true. Like, Because that would be one of the first. I, I've seen, like, every podcast has an episode yeah. number, I guess. Yeah, that's and, and true. I'm not sure maybe you do have to do it. But I'm always a big believer in just, like, doing something that nobody else is doing. So maybe we just yeah. don't keep track of. Yeah, because here's why I think psychologically you don't want to listen to old podcasts. Like I literally will listen to stuff where it's like, I listen to Scott Adams. He does a new one every day. Mm-hmm. And if it's like, I listened to the one yesterday, it's like, oh, this one on Friday. Ah, who cares about Friday? It's Sunday. Why would I want to listen to that? It's old. So yeah, I, I think the, the thing is when you number them inherently, if we're a two or whatever, and it's like episode number 150, it's like, oh, why would I want to hear this? It's old. Boom, that's it. We're throwing so numbers good. out the window. I like this. We're done with numbers. We're done with um, numbers. We'll still have titles, you know, give you a basic idea of what you're going to listen to, but yeah. We're throwing numbers out the window. We're talking about pain. Talking yeah. about uh, how much pain are you willing to endure? You should say that whole setup again because it was good. Yeah, so I'm um, a part of this like uh, – it's kind of like a little mastermind group, and it's really one of the most beneficial ones that I've ever been in. Actually, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, Carter. I, all my experiences with um, programs and classes that I bought – I've always been able to monetize, which I think is a topic in and of itself. Yeah. I think there's people that they, that they take, um, courses and then they talk bad about the course, but it's only because they didn't really take action on the course. Right. Um, because I can honestly say just like every course that I've been in, I've been able to monetize except, except maybe one, but it was, it was a really great course. And I took content from that course and still applied it to other businesses of mine. Okay. This is not really a course. It's more of like a group of entrepreneurs and they share ideas. And there's some really good entrepreneurs in there. There's some, I think there's some legit billionaires in that group. Oh, wow. Um, and one, one person was writing in, in the group, they were saying, um, uh, it was about goal setting. And they were saying, you know, in the past, I've usually have written out my goals. Like I want to accomplish, or I am accomplishing this, um, And they were saying, instead of doing that, um, experience has taught them, wisdom has taught them that it should be more about writing down how much pain you're willing to go through as well. For example, everybody wants to win a gold medal, but not everybody wants to train like an Olympian. So before writing down a goal, you have to ask yourself, are you willing to do everything it's necessary to that, that everything that's necessary to do in order to accomplish that goal. And if you're not, then don't write down the goal, right? Like don't write down, I want to win the Olymp, I want to win an Olympic gold medal. If you haven't first thought about everything it's going to take to win the Olympic gold medal and you have mentally committed to the idea of, yeah, I'm willing to do that and I can do that and I will do that. Hmm. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing because I'm thinking about it from, more of obviously a business point of view than a, than a sporting point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, has that been your experience? Like, so in other words, when you're, cause you started multiple businesses, you've done mm-hmm. a lot of interesting things. Were they 
painful? I know. That's the one thing that I was thinking about. And he, and so that is super, super interesting. It's so funny, my brother. Me and you are always on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, exactly. I've done I, I've done several businesses. Uh, we've made a lot more money than I've ever made in my life. And I don't feel like any of it has been difficult. And I don't mean that to say to be arrogant. I am not the smartest guy in the room usually. Um but it just hasn't been painful and it hasn't been what I would consider terribly difficult. But then I wonder to my, I, but then I think to myself, is that simply because I enjoy what I'm doing? Right. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's, it's not terribly difficult. And I think that there's some people that are trying to reach financial independence and in order to reach financial independence, like, investing in the stock market's really not going to get you there. I mean, that's a very long, long-term thing and it might, it may never get you there. Right. Yeah. Um, it's really, you got to learn how to invest your money in real estate, or you got to learn how to start businesses. I mean, those are really the only two ways to get you from A to B, become financially independent and hopefully do it at an age where you're still relatively young enough to enjoy your financial freedom. Mm. Um, at least that's that's my opinion, because the majority of everyone else is kind of like I got a 401k and when I'm 65, I'm I'll, I'll be able to retire. Or now it's like I'm not going to dip into my 401k until I'm 72, because then I don't you know, that's when I actually have to. And I'm like, dude, so what are you saying? You're going to you know, you're never going to enjoy it. You're never going to yeah. do what you want to do. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, but, but, but yeah. So that is an interesting question. I never it never felt painful to me now. But here's the thing, though, I do take a step back. And I start to compare myself to other people who have asked me about uh, financial independence. They've asked me about, um, you know, Mo, what does it take? You know, tell me about uh, starting businesses and things like that. And here's what here's what I will say is that when when I'm talking about it, I'm super excited. I'm super motivated. I'm like, oh, man, it's so much fun. Yeah. And they're looking at me like, oh, my God, that does not seem like a lot of fun. Yeah. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah. And it seems very, very, very intimidating. So yeah. then I think it does it does play into that, yeah, writing down that goal and thinking about are you willing to do it? I was obviously very willing to do it because my perception of it was this is not work. This is fun. This is like a it's like solving a puzzle. Um, yeah. and I, I want to be able to put the pieces together and figure it out um, and admire my work at the end. Um, whereas some people look at it and they're like, oh, this is work, right? And this is hard. Um, yeah. And you're either willing to do it or you're not. And I think it's very applicable, especially to, um, I think it's applicable to business. I think it's applicable to jujitsu, right? I mean, there's a ton of people out there. I know there were, there were in boxing and I know there's a ton of people out there. They're like, oh, I want to be the next Gordon Ryan, dude. But I think you romanticize people. So I think that's really what it comes about. People romanticize their goals, right? Yeah. Like the the end result, right? Yeah. Everybody wants the end result. Yeah. So they romanticize the idea of being the next Gordon Ryan and you know being jujitsu famous and being one of the guys that makes so much money in jujitsu. Yeah. Um, but that's they're not seeing the full picture, right? Like what it really, really takes, and it's not all. It's not all fun and games. I, I I would say most of it is not. I think it's yeah. constant work. And yeah. in, in a lot of ways, when you're the best at something, um, you're almost a slave to your to your profession. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have to ask that. Right. When you say, well, I want to do that. 
are you willing to make the sacrifices, right? And I think there's some people that don't even, I think you're right. I, and, and I think there's some people that won't even look at it as a sacrifice. They're like, that's not a sacrifice. That seems like yeah. fun to me. Yeah. But then there's other people that will look at it as, yeah, there, there are some sacrifices that are going to be made. Let me see. Yeah. Okay. I think the juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah. And then there's some people that just romanticize the idea and they, and, and, um, they go down and they write these goals in their book that they never accomplished. And the reason why is because uh, I think they're romanticizing the idea, but I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know what's right or what's wrong. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. What do you think? Well, I think a lot of it is the reason I, I, I got caught up on the idea of like how much pain are you willing to endure is because I think that might send the wrong message to some people, which is that like, this needs to be a miserable experience in order for it to be a good experience. Because I've had times where I think I was working very hard and was very miserable and was very unsuccessful. Like I did things where I failed completely. It was a miserable experience. And I thought it had to be a miserable experience. And yet I still failed. So it's almost like, well, what if I had just made it a fun experience? And if I'd still failed, it would have at least been fun. I'd be like, well, this is fun. It didn't get me anywhere, but it was fun. Um, so I, I guess I always hesitate on that a little bit because I feel like we we are part of a hustle culture these days where everything is about how hard you're working, how hard you're grinding, how hard you're doing these things. Um, and I don't always know if that's indicative of success. Sure. But I, I think there's that, some people that I, I know even for you, like um, there are some people that will meet you. And they'll they'll immediately think, I want to do what Carter's doing. And right. they romanticize your your lifestyle, sure. right? They're like, sure. oh, all Carter does is he sits at Starbucks and reads books yeah. and um, he develops property. And it's like, yeah, but before he got there, Carter had to do this and this and this and right. this and this. And maybe for Carter, that didn't seem like that was a sacrifice for him. It was fun. Right. But for a lot of people, you know, are you willing to do all the things it took for Carter to get where he's at in his career? That, and that's that's what I mean. So in other words, I think it rather than the way I would phrase it, I think to be more um, persuasive to people to find what's right for them is maybe it's not how much pain you're willing to do. It's like how much are you willing to do towards something that is still enjoyable to you that might be miserable to other people? Because I'll give you an example. So my wife works very hard. She's a very hardworking person. She is working from early morning till late at night. And the only break she has is she goes to the gym where, according to her, the perfect workout is one where she almost blacks out. That's what she <laughs> likes doing. I mean, she's a maniac. But when it comes to dealing with like property and contractors and stuff like that and tenants, I'll tell her stories and she has to stop me and tell me just not even tell her because it's so stressful for her to hear about whatever's happening with a property or whatever that she can't even handle it. Or when we had our Airbnbs in Temple and she was managing one for a short time and she's like, I can't do this anymore. It's too stressful. It's too miserable. It's too all consuming. So for me, I just look at a lot of this stuff as, yeah, it's annoying and whatever, but it's, it is part of the job. And Ultimately, it doesn't usually bother me that much versus her. It was all consumingly bad. And I guess that's where I, when I'm like, look at the pain thing, it's like, well, 
it's just not that painful for me, but it might be super painful for other people. Yeah. What uh, she does to me is painful. What she does, it's like a series of endless phone meetings and stuff like that. I can't handle that stuff. To me, it's like so many meetings are a waste of time. I don't want to do them. I'm not going to do them. Like if that's the only way to do it, I'm not doing that. So I almost think it's a matter of finding what you don't think is painful. So you know? you know what? You circle back, and that's why I love Naval so much because I think he just hits it every single time for me. He's, he's a, hits the nail on the head. And he even, he talked about this now that I think about it where he said, um, find something in life to do where it's work for everybody else, but it's play for you. And that's where exactly. you're succeed. Exactly. Because I look at Gordon. Let's take Gordon. So we, we're talking about Gordon Ryan, who's the best no-gi jiu-jitsu guy of all time. Uh, has if he wins his match today against Felipe Pena, there's no question because Felipe was the last guy to beat him, the only guy to beat him at black belt. Yeah. Like he beats Felipe, especially convincingly, that's it. Jordan's number one. I think he already is, but if this yeah, was and I think he's he's number one by like by a by long a, by, by, a, a, yeah, by a lot. And 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 he works very hard. It don't it, life of a professional athlete is not an easy one, and no professional athlete is going to say that. However. What to me, the thing that I think distinguishes him from everybody else is he really enjoys the choose your own adventure aspect of something like jujitsu and figuring out what is the best possible answer for this particular situation in this particular moment. Because when you listen to him teach, he has a specific answer and reasoning for every position, for every moment of a position. And if one thing changes, He'll go into the next reasoning. Most people don't understand jiu-jitsu that way. Most people, it's much more by feel. It's much more like by sort of a, a learned instinct or intuition, I guess is more the way to say it. Or they have a set of things they do well, and they figure out how to get the person back into those things. Because if you take somebody like Roger Gracie, who's awesome, but Roger's got very specific things he does well, and he figures out how to get people into those things. Mm-hmm. Gordon, on the other hand, does almost it doesn't really matter what position the guy is in. He's screwed because Gordon has specific answers for everything. So Gordon is much more like a a computer. And I think he truly that's just he's almost like a savant that way. And. I think he enjoys that, but but I, this is why I don't think anyone's going to catch up to him, because I don't hear anybody else who has that sort of reasoning behind everything the way he does except for john danaher who's you know a middle-aged man so that well i think that's the other flip side of the coin though right like whenever you're the best at something i i think it's probably because you love what you're doing well it's it's love but it's obsessed with it because you because you love it like i think steve jobs probably loved what he was doing i know that there's books written about like he was in his deathbed and he was talking about i wish i would have spent more time with family but while he was healthy and alive yeah, he was looking forward to the next day to go ahead and, and do what he was doing. And I think yeah. it, like Michael Jordan. Yeah, I think, yeah, a lot of people look at Michael Jordan's life and they're like, oh, my God, I would never want to do that. But I think to Michael Jordan, it was a lot of it was play. Well, I think with, with Jordan, see, Jordan's interesting because I, I watched Do you watch The Last Dance. I think we talked about it at one point. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting with Jordan is his ability to find continually find new motivation. Because he had all the skills, but in basketball especially, there's a lot of guys that are super skilled that never make it to the top, or if they do, they can't sustain it the way somebody like Jordan did. 
But what Jordan did was, it's almost like petty and psychotic if it was any other aspect of life. But, oh, this guy called me Mike instead of Michael. I'm going to show him. And, and it's like, it, it was just, it would be the littlest things he would find to, to focus in on and make it a slight to get himself that motivation. And it's a weird thing because you look at that and you're like, well, that's what it takes to be the best. But you should probably never live your life that way. And yet at the same time, this is what it took to be the best. Mm-hmm. And with, with Gordon, it's, I think that there's a lot of guys that love jujitsu and there's a lot of people that are obsessed with it, but I don't see anybody else who is obsessed with downloading it the way he does. And that's a different sort of skill set and mentality than other people have. And then you throw on the physical on top of it and then it becomes something that, that is essentially unstoppable. Um, but I think also at the same time, you have somebody who came along at the right time in terms of the social media era, because I think that he's actually a sort of a shy, introverted person. But shy, introverted people no longer have to be shy and introverted the way they did when you and I were growing up. Because back when you and I were growing up, it's like, if you're a shy kid, you're just going to be a shy kid. You're probably going to get picked on. You're probably going to get this and that. And that's basically it for you, unless you get into like music or sports or whatever. But nowadays, it's like you can have somebody, they're a shy, introverted person, but they're filming themselves, and all of a sudden, they're reaching out to millions of people in the world. And it's this weird thing where they become sort of famous, but they're not like getting up on stage to be famous. They're literally standing there with talking to their phone, and yet they're reaching all these people. So it's a weird thing of like introvert becomes the new extrovert type thing or whatever. So, I mean, somebody like Gordon coming along and being the way he's being, if he was acting that way in front of people, it would be weird and disconcerting. But the fact that he's talking about, like, this guy absolutely sucks and the guy's not there, it's almost like you're with your buddies and you're talking crap about somebody. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't say it because he's there for a lot of reasons, not just because he's <laughs> going to kick my ass, but it's like, it would just be weird if it was like that the whole time. Or it's like when our text threads, when Kevin's texting Coco and it's like, if he was just talking to Coco like that all the time, it would be bad. But it's like, because it's on text, it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's sort of a different thing. So, so yeah, I think that, uh, God, what were we talking about this whole time? I feel like I went on this huge, long tangent. No, no, no. no. It, it was, uh, you know, when you're writing. Goal, yeah. 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 Don't think about the end result, right? Like, I want to, in other words, I want to be, a, yeah, I wanna be a millionaire instead think about, like, what you're well, going to have to do to be actually that, that's Yeah, because that, that turns into the idea of having a system rather than having a goal. And so what that means is that rather than saying, like, I want to write a book and become an author, that's like a goal. And the problem with that is most people you meet who say they want to do something, they never do it because there's no action with that. Versus what if you said every morning at eight o'clock, I'm going to sit down on my computer, I'm going to write a thousand words and I'm going to do that every day. That's my system. Mm -hmm. Or it's like, you know, my system is before I write that, I'm going to work out for 20 minutes every day and then I'm going to write 800. This is what I do. I work out and then I I write my thousand words. Rather than I'm going to I'm going to lose 20 pounds or I'm going to gain 10 pounds of muscle or whatever. It's like that's a goal. A system is what is my set aside thing that I'm going to do consistently or daily. And that becomes what I do. And then the goals start appearing or start happening because of that. 
So, and so the question like, is whether or not you're willing to do the systems. Well, that, that's the thing, because I, I look at somebody like Gordon, I'm like, I don't think this guy's miserable at all. I think this guy's quite happy. But this guy is happy because he is the kind of person who is endlessly fascinated with getting more. He's like an, like an Elon Musk or like a Mark Zuckerberg, where it's like, I'm creating these new things. I'm creating these new, oh, this has got problems. Oh, that's good. That's interesting. Where's this? Where's this? Where's this? Like that's endlessly fascinating to him. So, so training is never an issue because he wants to learn all these things. And he likes talking smack to people because he understands the branding of it and the value that it brings because he understands that people don't want to just see a good matchup in jujitsu. They want to see a story. He understands that pro wrestling worked because it created stories and soap drama, you know, soap operas and melodrama with with dudes in tights. And there so there has to be a protagonist and an antagonist. Yeah, absolutely. So he understood. Well, what what does better? Well, the antagonist, because it's much harder to be the good guy, and people don't usually root for the good guy; they boo for the bad guy. Yes. But if they boo for you, if you win them over, soon enough they'll they'll cheer for you. So he understood all those things, and I think he's having a great time. However, that life is not for everybody. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so for example, somebody has a uh, let's say somebody right now has and I and I agree with you 100 percent. But let's say somebody has their purple brown belt right now right. and they write down in their journal, they go to bed at night and they're like, I want to when I get my black belt, I'm opening up my own jujitsu school right. instead of writing down your like, I want to start my own jujitsu school. Yeah. Start thinking about the processes of what it takes, yeah. what you have to do every day, discipline wise to actually have a successful school. And then, and then let those processes sink in and ask yourself, okay, do I really want to do that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of people, if you just say, Hey, how about I give you a jujitsu school that makes a million dollars a year and you're going to, you're going to net half of that. Yeah. A lot of people are just going to be like, Oh yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. I do want to yeah. do that. Yeah. And then when you show them the processes, they're like, oh, that doesn't sound great. I don't really want to do that. I'm, I'm fine over here with my $80,000 a year job. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that's a great example because for this happens all the time in jiu-jitsu. People get their black belt and they're like, I'm going to open up a school. If that is the goal, then to me, it's like as you're going through the belts, it should be not only I'm getting better jiu-jitsu, but it should be I am learning how to run a business. Because the reason being that is that it really is two separate things. You're learning yes. how to run a business. Um, you're learning how to teach. There's really three skill sets because you're developing skills to be a practitioner. You're developing skills to be a teacher. And you're developing skills to be a business owner. And the reason I think it's important for somebody to do all three of those is you may discover you really like one of those things and don't like the other. Like you and I discovered along the way, I like being a business owner. Do I like the business of owning a jiu-jitsu school? I don't. I don't like something that, well, because it's like, it's a lot of things you and I both don't like. It's a lot of overhead. There's a lot of interpersonal management. To do it right, you pretty much have to be there the whole time. There's a lot of things that for me, it's just, I, I would maybe own the building that somebody had a jiu-jitsu school in. I would consider that. Although I would want a, a more of an anchor tenant and the jiu-jitsu one could be a bonus one. They're not going to be the main tenant. I'm not crazy. You know, and, <laughs> and Mo would... Mo would, would have nice guys paint the place, maybe put the roof on it in the future. Who knows? Like maybe maybe, be the, the maid service. maybe they'd be the maid service. Yeah. Like but that. is Mo going to own the school and run the school? No. Because you realized you love jujitsu, but you don't want to run a jujitsu school. And, and it might be something else. See, other people, they really love to train jujitsu, 
but they don't really like teaching and they don't really run a business. Okay. Then if you know this about yourself, you shouldn't own a school. You should figure out how do I build a lifestyle so I have a certain amount of financial freedom and a certain amount of time freedom so I can use that to train jujitsu and, and compete because I don't like doing these other things. Or there's some people that like to teach, but they don't want to do the other two things. Great. I need to find a successful school where there is an opening to teach and then I will just teach. I just come in and teach my class, just do whatever. And then I leave and I love doing it to share my knowledge, but and, I don't have to run everything else. And you know what I really love about that idea too, is that you don't have to still, you can still be an owner that way without being an, you don't have to be an employee. So yeah. I, um, what I would, what I, what I like is that like, there's a bunch of what we call technicians, right? So let's say yes. you're the chef or yep. let's say you're the super good black belt instructor. Yep. And it's funny, like you want financial freedom and you know the way to get there is by owning a business, but you don't want to run a business. Yeah. Okay, no problem. Because there is a business owner that doesn't know anything about jujitsu, but is yeah. super good at running a business, solving problems, marketing a business, building yeah. a community, building a brand. And what you can do is you can partner up. Yes. Like your, yes. your, your part of the job is teaching world-class jujitsu. Yep. And your part of the job is making sure we have a steady uh, funnel of leads coming in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the classic example nowadays is John Danner. John Danner has never had a jiu-jitsu school. He taught forever at Henzo's jiu-jitsu school. And even now, they don't have a school in Austin. They, they teach out of Henzo Gracie, Austin. And then, you know, I think he makes most of his money from his BJJ Fanatics instructionals. But I think... Maybe along the way, he realized, like, I just like being a teacher. I don't want to deal with everything that it takes to run a business. So my guess is even if they do open up a school, he's going to have somebody running the business part of it so that he can just teach. I mean, yes. And so that's that's understand because it's and I think then you can go back to that original thing of how much pain are you willing to adore and versus saying, like, OK, if if you're OK with marketing and payroll and 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 you really enjoy this stuff of like oh how can i market this differently how can i do all that well that's not painful to you that's interesting well then maybe you should run a school because you you really do enjoy those things but if it's something where that sounds like oh god it sounds awful then to me it's like then you just don't want to do that and that's good to know it doesn't mean that you're because if, if it's something where you're like, that sounds awful, but I'll do it all. It's like, to me, now you're relying on willpower and that won't last. Willpower doesn't last. This idea of like, you just grit through it and you just grind through it. It's like, no, like no one does that. That's why that the hustle culture thing bothers me so much because I think it's all an illusion. I think it's all marketing to it sell. It is. That's certain. exactly what I was gonna say. It's because yeah, it's it's uh, it's a huge. It's just a marketing scheme, and and you're a sucker. You're, well, you're such a sucker, dude. Like it's all there to sell. Like they they sell merch and they sell like programs. It's yes. all around like I hustle hard on my shirt and like you buy the shirt, but you're still not you're still not financially independent, well, dude. You're just buying into some fake idea it, it gets on my nerves too well because because i realized this the other day i was listening to rogan's podcast and i was listening to him talk about like oh i do this for recovery and i do this for and if you were to put together all the times he says he does this with a sauna or the the flotation thing he would literally have no time to do anything else you know what i mean like if it's like it's like oh this is good for recovery this is good i do this i'm like no you don't or you certainly don't do all this, or you certainly don't do all this consistently. You're full of shit because it's like this whole, he's selling this like 
I live this life or whatever. And maybe he does, but it's like, I, I, not, so here, not the so way he's describing it. You know what I mean? Here's, yeah. No. So here I was actually around some of the dudes that work his security detail. Ooh. And inside scoop. Yeah. I got some inside scoop, but it's actually on the other end of that. So, wow. um, uh, I was, um, I was asking, I was like, man, there's no way, there's no way this, this, you know, I was like, Joe has to be roiding it up, man. I mean, it's, it, this is beyond just a regular TRT. Cause that dude is, he's, he's, he's ripped. Right. And, um, they, they told me they're like, now nah, Mo, cause they, he runs a 24 hour security detail for the most part, I, I think if I'm correct. And they're like, no, that dude is super, super disciplined. That's yeah. what they told me. They go. And they've never seen him miss like he like his schedule is super tight yeah. where it's like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And then they say he can be up all night at the freaking comedy club and it won't matter. He yeah. will get up at three thirty or four a.m. and he will be working out like a beast. Right. I changed my I changed my tune. <laughs> <laughs> but OK, so here's that. People romanticize being yeah. Joe Rogan, right? right. Now, right. Joe Rogan probably is able to be Joe Rogan because to Joe Rogan, that's like he's for other people. It may seem it's work, but for him, it's play like he yeah. loves living that lifestyle. Yeah. That's the way his exactly. temperament is. That's his personality. That's just the way his brain operates. And he, he you know, he's doing it. But if you're writing down in your journal, I want to be Joe Rogan. Right. Think about really who Joe Rogan is and whether or not you are. You're not Joe Rogan, right? That's yes. not that you're. You're not him. Yes. So you gotta you gotta be again, Naval. You gotta be authentic. Figure out yeah. who you are, and then do something that's play for you, but work for everybody else. Yeah, I, I I agree, and I mean I think that's that's the the bottom line is that people try like trying to do what someone else is doing and, and being miserable doing that will never make you successful. Um, versus you got to write your own story. Because it's like Joe Rogan didn't set out to become Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan was a guy who was um, into martial arts and into comedy and started figuring out other skill sets to build along with that and slowly did that and then got hooked up with the UFC very, very early and then had a successful show which made enough money that he could commentate on the UFC for free, which he did for years, which people don't know. The first however many years he was commentator, he did all that stuff for free. So he understood like, oh, this is something that I believe in that I think will go some places. So rather than try and, you know, take advantage of a struggling company and get money out of it, you know, like a lot of other people were doing at that time, he's like, I'll work for free because I believe in it and I'll become sort of an ambassador for it. And that'll help me for other things. And, and slowly that just all built up till he became who he was. But I don't think the, you know, like, but somebody else trying to do that exact thing, it's like, well, you're gonna have to do your own version of these things because everything, once it's done, it's already sort of changed it. And they always say that even if you took the same person and put them back 30 years or, or even had them try and do it over again now, they're not gonna do it the same way because it, it just, it always changes. So it's like, you gotta write your own story for these things. And I think that a story written out of, stuff that interests you and keeps you motivated and things where you create these systems instead of just having these sort of obscure goals. But okay, I can do this consistently and find things that you enjoy that you can do consistently. That's going to write your story versus like, I'm hustling. I'm so I didn't sleep. I'm so miserable. It's like you're, you're relying on willpower and that's just never going to last the way 100%. relying on a good system. So that's 100%. it. That's all I got on that. 
I mean, that's the mic drop because that is the truth of the matter. Yeah. Yeah. Check out this episode or our past episodes. Go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Uh, yeah, is that what we're called still? The Jiu-Jitsu of Life? I'm not sure because I know we're throwing out the numbers. Are we throwing out the name too? Like the podcast with no name? We could. I don't know. It's going to get crazy. The Jiu-Jitsu it's like of the, Life. Uh, no. The Clint Eastwood pod. The, the man with no name. The podcast with no <laughs> yeah. name. There we go. Um, check us out on Apple iTunes. Like, review, subscribe. And shout out to Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. Nobody can be you better than you. Be authentic, Robles. Shout out to Yellow Pine Investments. Uh, Robles makes custom geese. They make custom warehouses. Check them out. Also check out Quantum Leap Design for all your website design needs. As always, I'm Mo. That's Carter. And we wish you guys nothing but the best both on and off the mat. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Rulebliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at rulebliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.